Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels. This episode is all about Cluster B. During this time of year, the time with family-centered holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas, it is common for people to label relatives who've hurt them as narcissists. We'll talk about the problems with that and the characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder and other Cluster B personality disorders. My guests today are Leif, Lee, and Emma. Leif is in the health industry and Lee is a tattoo artist. Emma, the one with the lovely English accent, is an alter in the sand check system, and she has narcissistic personality disorder. First, we'll jump right into the holidays and armchair diagnoses. You know, it's it's just, I don't even know where to start. And then, and then as you, Jennifer, have brought up, um, it's the time of year that I think kicks up my secondary diagnosis the most. And I also see the most people giving hell to my secondary diagnosis. So it's, yeah. it's always a bit depressing to have to be surrounded and just drowned by that incessantly for months until all of the meeting with one's family is over with. Yeah. So um, I don't know how to begin with that. I'm, well, I'm always so reticent to talk about it. <laughs> tis the season for people overusing the word narcissism. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, can we stop that, please? Mm. Narcissistic abuse. You can just say abuse. You can just. It's, narcissistic abuse doesn't exist. And I'm going to just say flat out that people's health diagnosis should not come into a conversation when you're discussing things like that. You're talking about behaviors. You're talking about behaviors and not diagnoses, and it's really none of your business. It's between that person and their therapist. Now, if they're not seeing a therapist, you can suggest that, but you really shouldn't attribute diagnoses to somebody who is not actively in recovery. Maybe just mind your business. I don't know. I had a way... I had a way of, of... Approaching the subject, I suppose, but I didn't know where you, how you would like to introduce that or where you'd want to start with it. Well, I think that it's like uh, Lee was saying, it's something that or you both were saying, that it's something that comes up a lot this time of year. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I definitely wanted to talk about is that um, when people um, are with their families, they can start to diagnose them. And, yeah, and uh, it's very tempting to armchair diagnose the people in your family once you've started getting help, yeah. especially mm-hmm. on the front end because you're like, oh, what's wrong with all of them? Yeah. How did we get to this? Because this the, this is not normal and not right, and, and it runs in genetics. So I know so there's something wrong with you and you and you and you and you, and I have to come up with a yeah. reason because I think a lot of people are compelled to find a reason for it because then that means it wasn't their fault, even though it was never their fault to begin with. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to just justify themselves and seek validation somewhere when yeah, really you're valid to begin with. You, right. you are a child not deserving of abuse. And that person who did that was just wrong. And you can just call them wrong. It doesn't matter what, what in, informed their decisions to be abusive, but that's a choice. Yeah, and I I don't know I I suppose I should say that dissociative identity disorder coming from a traumatic background generally means that you have several comorbidities with that. There's several different disorder characteristics, different things you can have, whether they're predispositions um, genetically, like you're already bipolar or something like that. Or it can be other traumatic disorders, which, in case anyone doesn't know, all personality disorders are traumatic for the most part in some nature, at least all of cluster B. There's three clusters. There's A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. 
There's 10 personality disorders, three of them in A, three of them in C, and four of them in B. A, I, there's some people who are on the fence because a lot of those lean towards psychosis, uh-huh. um, but, but in certain ways milder and have more to do with um, cognitive distortions than they do things that are chemical. Um, but they are very much triggered by traumatic disorders. C is more things that are um, considered things like OCD. That's the category that has... uh, um, Oh, goodness, why am I blanking on it? I'm getting nervous is the thing. Uh, The C category is more... more, um, Is it more Compulsions and anxiety. Yes, of course. And, And things like that. Um, that are related to feeling the need to have compulsions or or, or um, things along those lines. I'm doing a very poor job of explaining because no, I'm trying fine. to get to the the cluster B part because that's the that's the notorious one that everyone always thinks of and it's always traumatic, and it's um, you would not believe the number of people who completely fully believe that that's bullshit. And that's absurd to me, that because they're all triggered by, by trauma, yeah. but but B in particular, that's that's where the it comes from. That's where your cognitive distortions come from, because that's what they really are, is in some way because of some effects or or as a coping mechanism, your brain and your personality have been aligned with things that protect you from what happened in one way or another and b is is notorious for being the one where everyone says that's real crazy that's evil that's etc because um you have borderline histrionic antisocial and narcissistic and oh good heavens if they don't all get some slander here and there but i've we've never endured the same kind of ableism about any of our other diagnoses besides the cluster B stuff. Yeah. And it's um it's really disheartening when you're in recovery and you're doing mm-hmm. everything you can to cope with your trauma and with these inclinations only to have some of one of your friends share something and saying something along the lines of how a narcissist is evil. Oh, my narcissistic mother or yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, that 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 really hurts more people than you could imagine. It's maybe just stop doing it. <laughs> it's so it's so wild to me because there's that old saying that hurt people hurt people, and of yeah. course your hurt cannot be used to justify hurting someone else. Although people who are vitriolic about it obviously don't care about that. No. But but any disorder, any hurt someone's going through can inform how they hurt other people, and I don't know how to explain to everyone that we will all inevitably hurt people in our lives. Yeah. Even doing our best, it's not the kind of thing we can just avoid. It's just something that, as part of life, you have to be able to deal with, own up to, and acknowledge. But when it comes to cluster B, people seem to think that there's this specific set of traits that abuse is part of the diagnosis, and it's not, no. first of all. <laughs> and, no, not at all. And what they're really looking for are words such as covert aggression, because you have aggressive aggression and you have passive aggression. 
And then you have covert aggression, which is specifically a type of behavior. It's a type of abuse tactic. It's extremely effective because it's very social. It's and it's very, yes, it's very much using someone's psychology against them. And because of that, it's popular with abusers. And people have falsely attributed this to cluster B because that particular set of disorders, the way they inform, as I said, any disorder can can inform how you may hurt someone else, but the way that those typically inform any type of harm you could do, it makes it very easy for you to to see people's insecurities and know exactly where to strike at them. So it ends up being the kind of thing where if it has any connection to choosing to be abusive, it's just that it makes you good at it <laughs> because it's all so, social. I, I, I have to say this because this, this really like sparked a recognition in me. Mm-hmm. I, I know that for the most part, I tend to fall, my understanding is, pretty squarely in cluster C, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's something I've always recognized about myself. And I don't know if this says something or what, but I've I've had to learn to be very careful the last five or six years of my life because I've recognized that I do have the ability to know exactly what to say to somebody. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's their button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even um, and and I'd say I'd say any type of any type of personality disorder with cognitive distortions lends itself to how you interact with others. So that makes perfect sense that it would be the kind of thing you'd pick up on. Yeah. You but, know. But to to go back to what I was saying, as mm-hmm. somebody who I've been guilty of this myself, and, and at times Lee has been kind enough to point it out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Because of the way English works, mm-hmm. English is such a weird, fractured language oh, where, yeah. where words constantly get shades of meaning that they really shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Both as somebody who wants to avoid this in the future and as somebody who wants to know how to talk to people who have made these choices, mm-hmm. how do we talk about abusive behavior that most like like like, and I'm I'm not saying this as as a as a word that I would I should use now, but I've been known to say somebody's a psychopath, mm-hmm. you know, because that's in English that's a shorthand for something. Yeah, right. And also that's a holdout from like the '90s, and yeah. right. you know we we've been taught a lot of ableism, especially us in the older generations. Mm-hmm. We've been taught a lot of casual ableism that we're constantly having to unlearn. But I'm gonna make it very simple for everyone. What it comes down to is just leave the diagnosis out of it. It's that easy. Don't say psycho. Don't call somebody a narcissist. Don't uh, just just don't do it because that is between them and their doctor. You can call somebody toxic. You can call somebody abusive. You can call somebody unstable and unreasonable. You, there's so many words in the English language that you can use. You can call somebody just plain old evil. I'd you could say, just say that. I'd say also there's, there is an argument here because I've seen everyone 
<laughs> under the sun. There is an argument here that some people make that that's exactly what they're trying to do with narcissism because being narcissistic comes from the myth of narcissism and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, point being, they try to come up with a justification when it's better to just avoid because the truth is people will always take the diagnosis and make it into something it shouldn't yes. be. I mean, sociopathy and psychopathy are colloquialisms. They're not real. They're generic terms for... I don't know, something two true crime writers have made up to categorize the types of people who have the disorder and also do crimes or something. And then there was dissocial or asocial used to be a, a thing and that's become, you know, um, not not as much in use anymore, but, it, you know, it's also been in the category uh -huh. of people using it against others. Just like, just like when you're talking about learning disability or any other type of uh, neurological Im Im impairment or um, developmental issue, obviously all of those words, I mean, I, I don't know if it's kosher to talk about it in this context exactly but of course everyone from the 90s knows the word retarded because mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. the clinical term yeah. and is no longer because people will always eat these up that's why one of the things they want to do or they've they've been talking about several changes but one of the things they've talked about is renaming the disorders in the dsm and my thought was why people are just going to take the new ones and use them too yes and yeah. and people are like well why can't i use the words i want to use why can't this just be a safe space and you're policing my language and all I have to say is, because there's other words, you have a vocabulary, Plenty. use it. Once you're aware that you're perpetuating stigma and ableism, you have a duty to your fellow survivors and to anyone with a disorder to change that language regardless of how you feel about it. And another word, a word I would say, mm -hmm. is just egotistical. It's yes. about the behavior. Yeah. It means just what it means. It hasn't got anything to do with a diagnosis. It's not a word that's in the DSM. It's no. not. So they don't even talk about being e egotistical with no, narcissistic no, no, personality no, no, no. disorder. That's be or the word you, being entitled or self-centered or anything yeah, like that. Anything. That's about a behavior that's not describing someone I, using say, a term that's exclusively yeah. used to describe a set of behaviors. I have two points. Number one, if you're having trouble figuring out what to call someone, pick up a thesaurus. It's not hard. Well, there is a website, in fact. Just go to it. Yes, please. Um, I hope they give me some ad money for, for you know, like throwing that mm -hmm. out there. You know, just use that. It, it will help you. Use your resources. We all learned how to research in, in grade school. We can do that still as an adult. You do have a do, duty to your fellow survivors to do that part. It's the bare minimum. And number two, if you're using the excuse of the myth of Narcissus, it's not anybody's fault that the people who wrote the DM, DSM-5 chose to use that word to describe something. It was in poor taste. It's a bad idea. They oh. might have... They might decide to change it in the future then again, still why are you going through so much effort to justify something that hurts other people maybe just stop narcissus you know? <laughs> in the myth though as far as i recall it it's actually fairly apt because yeah. i don't remember anything anything really specific about yeah, it yeah. other than um he was really overly concerned obsessed with his appearance and he he scorned a god and the god turned him into um they made his reflection enchanted so that he could not look away from it and he became obsessed with it and turned into a flower because mm -hmm. yeah he just couldn't let go of of just staring at himself and mm -hmm. and not only if i remember right just being in love with it 
but also just staring at all the imperfections and just constantly obsessing, obsessing and it. obsessing. And that's really what it is. Well, so it's not even and, wrong. <laughs> and to bring this back to yeah. another part of the conversation mm-hmm. we hit earlier, mm-hmm. I think it, and this is something that, that it amazes me that more Southerners don't see this way because it, to me, it's just politeness, which is even if you think, you know, it goes with what name you call somebody or what gender mm-hmm. they want you to call them yeah. or mm-hmm. talking about their diagnosis and or avoiding certain language. terms. It's just the politeness of being kind to the people who are around you and acceding to their wishes about themselves. Yeah. Right. And, and, and honestly, uh, throwing other diagnoses under the bus is not going to help you heal. Trying no. to armchair diagnose... <clears throat> someone else is not what's going to help you heal and if you no. feel like you healed learning these terms you can still change your your choice of words and help other people heal from there and, and i think the thing about that is in particular about that is is that it, it is just that pervasive that other people haven't really had the opportunity to hear it another way mm-hmm. so it's it's imperative that that you change the way you talk mm-hmm. about it because the only thing the only thing that helps these disorders, as I was sort of getting at, I guess, is to not shame them. Shame is where it starts for all cluster B stuff. And it, doing more shaming <laughs> does not make it better. It makes it worse. So mm-hmm. really, it's a radical acceptance scenario, and it's putting up very good boundaries, because if there is one thing that is true, it is that those of us with cluster B problems don't have good boundaries. We never learned them. That is one thing you have to understand, <laughs> is that none of these things have good boundaries. Yeah. And that, that is inherent to the diagnosis. And I think the other thing that's important to acknowledge in that, and when you're thinking about armchair diagnosing someone, is in order to have a diagnosis... It has to be something that is harming you. It has to be causing you active distress. Yeah. So if an abuser seems perfectly happy being an abuser, that doesn't have anything to do with a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's causing them distress or why. They're having a behavior. So you have to leave that that part out because otherwise you're, you're trying to make a judgment call on how distressed they are with their life. And Some people take a lot of joy, actual joy, in being harmed to other people and that is not anything wrong with their brain that is a choice that they've made and they continue to make those are the people that you just need to get away from honestly i it's it's one of those things that i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt um literally the day before you messaged manny about it um I guess it was yesterday, day before yesterday, yesterday. I can't remember. We had, we had, it was, it was yesterday. Someone had actually, actually messaged us online specifically to throw hate at us. And that happens all the time Uh, about the cluster V stuff, um, uh especially the narcissism. I I literally, literally had someone say that if they had one of those disorders, they would want it to be stigmatized. Yes, because how how else were they going to learn and that it deserves to have the stigma? If I, if I had one of those disorders and I would, first of all, you wouldn't feel bad about it because I don't. So that's, that's actually part of the criteria is that I don't feel bad about it. So, so <laughs> it's not the, how do I put this? The shame is in a completely different room than me. 
and so the remorse doesn't connect it connects in a completely different um i guess in a different channel in my brain mm -hmm. than what you're trying to do to me is so mm -hmm. if you had this problem <laughs> you would want to educate yourself because you have a goal because you realize there's something wrong and someone else coming in with stigma and telling you what someone else in that same comment thread did about how we should all die is not what's going to make me make that decision. It's not going to give me a goal. It's just going to make me hate you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to make me feel drained. And then I don't, I don't care to work on it because you over here are telling me that your narcissistic mother, mm -hmm. quote unquote, um, did irreparable damage to your self-esteem. I don't care about that. I really don't. It's more about how you're talking to me and what consequences I've had in my life mm -hmm. and how I flipped the script for myself because I was having to And that you're still doing it. wrong regardless of what your mother did to you. So well, right. this is a great <laughs> yeah. amount of projection. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's diagnosing someone to say that I, I think anybody who only finds joy in tearing down somebody else to me is deeply broken. There's yeah. something there is something deeply going broken yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. On and that is true. But it, it, the way that you said it is perfect. It's not your job to figure out what. No. It you don't have to figure out. You, you, it is not your business to figure out why someone is the way they they are. The only thing that you have the task, absolutely have the task to do is to protect yourself first and foremost. You are the most important piece to this puzzle. You have to get to safety. You have to establish your boundaries, and you have to decide what your needs are in this situation. If you need to get away from somebody, then get away from them. If you need to tell them what for, you tell them what for. Mm -hmm. But you use your autonomy to your advantage and use whatever control that you have to take care of yourself. The second priority is to do well by others. I believe that. And I believe that using these terms... Uh, is not doing well by others. It is harming people. And if you're going to be as flippant about that as some people are, then you're not any better than the people that you hate. Mm -hmm. And if you want to establish <laughs> integrity and approach this world and actually change things, then you have to do better than that. And you can. To tell you the truth, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, we've been told a lot of negative things about all our disorders stigma-wise, but I've never... I've never been told to kill myself more often than I have about the <laughs> about the cluster B stuff, among among many other things. Or also just you're impo you're untreatable. It's impossible. You can't get better. Even from some horrible, uh, might I add. I mean, D's get degrees, right? But some yeah. psych professionals have even said that that it's an evil set of. That's not that's not accurate. But I haven't heard it so much about anything as that. And it's funny because the people I've heard it from, I'm like, you could stand to look at this disorder a little bit closer yourself, actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> of course, the, the thing, and the thing that, yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing that got me to actually look into it and do therapy was not someone telling me how bad of a person I was, because that didn't, that doesn't do anything to me except reinforce the shame that's already there and make me irritated. What actually changed it was realizing that the cluster B traits were hurting people who cared about me mm -hmm. and who I more or less cared about, no matter what that meant. It was affecting my life negatively. And, and I can't remember who it was. I think it, I think it might have actually been Robert 
who sat me down one day and out of all the goodness in his heart said, I am not going to be here for this anymore. I'm going to get up and leave if this keeps happening because I don't deserve to have this happen to me. And I think you know that. And then he said, um, he said something that I, I then elaborated on and it flipped the script for me because I, we all in the system deal with different parts of cluster B more than others. <clears throat> and we hit all four categories because one of the other things they're trying to do with the DSM is change them to categories of traits because most people just have symptoms flung across those four diagnoses instead of really fitting mm -hmm. into a box. So we all have different cluster B di uh, symptoms, but, but for mine... Robert flipped it on me a little bit, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but what it amounted to is, you're not a very superior person <clears throat> if you refuse to look at your own flaws and improve upon the areas in which you're doing poorly. You're just basic if you avoid that. If all you do is sit there and think that your grandiosity is infallible, then you have a blind spot, and that's weakness. And my brain went, no. No, 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 that's not. You can't. He's right. Oh, oh dear. I can't. I can't actually. Can't it's that. all falling apart. I can't live up to the <laughs> to the superiority. How I can feel I be perfect if yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm not this. perfect if I. Oh, I have to be aware of every single little thing. Oh, forgive me, but now I'm suddenly flashing back to that one Star Trek episode with the robot that comes on. It's like I have to kill everything that isn't perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It was one of those things. But then I realized that yes, I if I want to be perfect which i have since through therapy realized is impossible but if i wanted to be better than everyone else i couldn't be like everyone else who's so wrapped up in everything that they're blind to their own failings like oh no i, I can't yeah. be like them oh, no, i have to be self-aware <laughs> i have to change it <laughs> yeah, i have to oh dear my self-awareness yes if you want to be better than everyone else you can't want to be better than everyone else mm -hmm, basically mm -hmm. <laughs> i can't just assume that i can't really prove it unless i go really, out there I and actually do the work can't I think I? it's more about embracing who you are and, uh, <laughs> and uh, getting closer to who you want to be sometimes and mm -hmm. understanding that I have this analogy in my mind because we're doing a lot of home improvement at the house and changing things and I'm realizing that you can change everything you want about your house you could build an entire, entirely new room in there if you want to if you want you don't have to but you can and that's kind of cool. And it makes my brain go, I can build things. Mm. It's like, calm down. Don't build a house. You can't do that. <laughs> it's like, but I can. I have YouTube. Anyway. I do um, have that problem of feeling um, like I can just do anything I feel just like. Just like but... that house that you could, if you wanted, build from the ground up. You can. It is possible. It's not recommended. And it's not cheap. You can change everything about yourself. You can work on things and you can accept the parts that are there. Because to a degree, you have to accept things about the house you're building. Uh, the foundation is what it is. We have to work with that. Um, the shape of it is what it is. We have to work within that. You know, the, If I were to build a new one on in a new acre of land, I still have to account for the ground. Is it safe? You know, What kind of foundation do I need? It is what it is. There's nothing I can do about that. But you can accept things about it. And whatever you're willing to accept about yourself, you you just kind of get more comfortable with what's there. And then everything else you can change, you can build, you can grow. And that's something that I think a lot of people probably could stand to hear once in a while. My mantra these days is 
the work is never ending and it may be slow, but all that matters is are you willing to do it? Yeah. That's the only standard I hold myself to anymore. It's funny, I was overwhelmed by a lot of things and I, it kind of chilled me out a little bit to realize that I kind of like working. <laughs> I kind of like doing these things and uh, I might feel overwhelmed sometimes and that's okay, but I kind of like getting my hands dirty and, and doing stuff. And it's the same with all the self-improvement that I've approached at and I kind of like putting in that effort and not for any particular reason. I don't care what people think about how I live my life and believe me I get plenty of judgment about it but I like it I like what I've managed to accomplish I don't really care what my family thinks about it or what anybody thinks about how I go about my day to day mm -hmm. I like you too <laughs> <laughs> thank you um I feel like I'm talking too much. I always do. Oh, it's okay. I was you going have a to lot say, to say about I, that subject. I do, and there's, and there's so that's true. Yeah. And there's and there's so Some much to be could, said yeah. about it. There's so there's so many things you could deep dive into it, but it's one of those things that I've always you you even catch hell from other cluster B people sometimes because which is also yeah. a projection, which is very obvious. Of I'm not like those other that, people. Let's do some respectability politics, and I'll put yeah. you under the bus instead of me because clearly that makes it easier for the people who are telling me I should die to just kind of point the finger at you. Yeah, if, but, ever, if everyone uh -huh. else sees how bad you are, then I can't be that bad. But it's yeah. wild, and the reason it's a, a grab bag of traits that we we across the board have have issue with is because the they're different sides to the same coin because borderline mm -hmm. and narcissism both deal with self-esteem and antisocial and histrionic both deal with attachment borderline that it, it is a certain degree of i am worthless i am worth less than dirt the world doesn't need me i'm actively a blight upon it they turn all that hate inward Narcissism gets told the same thing in its childhood, but takes all that hate and tries to turn it outward. It can't be me. It's all of you. There's absolutely no way I'm I'm better than all of you because you're the ones who are worthless. This is so so ridiculous. Meanwhile, at the same time, you really believe it because you are constantly, constantly plagued worrying about what everyone else mm -hmm. thinks of you. And even when there's no one else in the room, I, I will put on a full face of makeup home alone if I don't curb my own whatever. Because it's almost like I have this camera following me around and I wonder about who might look in the window and see me less than perfect. That kind of thing. Talk about how so, social media can become unhealthy. Right. Uh -huh. And that's, that's where it comes from. Is it's, it's just this, am I doing everything perfectly? How? And so you start looking for how everyone is less than you because you're trying so hard to convince yourself of it. So they're opposite reactions to the exact same traumatic things you've been told. Meanwhile, antisocial and histrionic is... A lot, a lot of the time from neglect and being told that clearly your needs and expressing them do not matter. Um, basically that you may have emotions and wants and feelings and, and you know, just base needs and, and bringing them up is wrong. You are not worth that. So antisocial takes that attachment problem and just says... Well, you don't need a connection to anyone or anything. You don't connect to any of it. None of it makes sense. None of it matters. Nothing matters. You couldn't care less. 
Meanwhile, histrionics says that you have to have drama. You have to read into every little thing. If something's not happening and things aren't dramatic, no one cares. No one cares if I'm not constantly involved. No one cares if I'm not having sexual relations with them. I have to have a superficial relationship with every single person on the planet and everyone has to like me or I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve to be acknowledged. I am invisible. So antisocial says that's fine. I could be invisible and I don't need anything else. And histrionic says I will do everything in my power to not be invisible. Meanwhile, borderline says I will grovel so that you do not abandon me. And narcissism says go ahead and abandon me. Why would I possibly need you? I'm everything I need. So that's where it all comes from, really. We'll continue this conversation, but that's our show for today. I hope you got some helpful insight. And as Lee said, take care of yourself and do well by others.